passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome in. It's another episode of 5th Avenue Faceoff. I'm Chris Mack of 93.7 The Fan and The Fan Morning Show. We're talking pens. We're talking pens off uh, a tough loss to the Dallas Stars. And we're talking pens getting ready for the Washington Capitals Saturday night at PPG Paints Arena. Lucky enough to be joined by the man who will be calling that game for ESPN and ABC, Sean McDonough. Sean, thanks for making the time today. I know you're busy catching a flight to get here to Pittsburgh, so we appreciate the time. Well, my pleasure. And if I do get up abruptly, it means I have to go board my flight to your great city. But uh, excited to be on with you. Yeah, we'll, we'll excuse it if all of a sudden we hear the boarding announcements and you've got to run because uh, we need somebody to call the game tomorrow night, to be honest. Um, and this should be a good one. You know, th- this this is interesting to me, and we'll get to Alex Ovechkin in just a moment, but, you know, we used they used to be Sid the Kid, right? And Ovi, and, and now it's great eight, and Sid, I don't know, the responsible adult maybe. Um, <laughs> he, he's tied Mario with 11 30-goal seasons now, right? Um, he's just one sh- season shy of Wayne Gretzky's record for point per game seasons, 18 to Wayne's 19. And we keep asking ourselves as we try to get a gauge here in Pittsburgh on where this team is going long-term, how much longer can he do this? You know, can he be uh, the Tom Brady of the NHL and, and play until he's 43, 44, 45, because he seems to show no signs of letting up. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, he's as good as he's ever been, in my opinion. And, you know, I think to answer your question, the key to it is what Mike Sullivan said when I talked with him last week before we did the game in New York, that, you know, there are a lot of really skilled players. I mean, he's enormously skilled, obviously. But what separates him is the work ethic and the dedication, the discipline 
to do everything right. You know, with, with staying on top of his workouts, constantly working to get better at the hockey part of it. You know, watching what he eats. Uh, you know, he's just so disciplined in every facet of his life that I think that's what enables him to do it. And, you know, it's the same thing with Tom Brady, you know, living here in Boston, you know, watching him over the years and getting to know him a little bit, you know, he was famous and probably still is for his diet, you know, the TB12 plan. Mm -hmm. But I think that was a huge reason why he lasted as long as he did as at such a high level. So I think uh, Sid, the kid, he's still a kid. He's playing like a kid. And, uh, when you're 60, somebody who's 35 is still a kid to me. So uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's fun to watch, and I think he's going to have several more uh, outstanding seasons. Well, and what's what's interesting is I found myself digging into the numbers just a little bit, at, you know, the point-per-game seasons, the 30-goal seasons, and you wonder how much more he could have done had he played in a more offensive era. You know, we're seeing a, a little bit more of a live puck this year than we have the last several years. Connor McDavid's a different beast, but we're seeing that it's possible again to have a, a multiple 50 goal, a 60 goal score. We're seeing guys rack up points at a rate that hasn't been seen in a long time. And I, I guess, would his legacy be any different if it were Sidney Crosby, legendary goal scorer, Sidney Crosby, you know, 120 points per year guy, and not just Sidney Crosby. I say just like it's a downgrade. It's not, it's a huge compliment, but Sidney Crosby best all-around player guy because that seems to be the way everybody looks at his legend now is he's the best complete player still in the league yeah the players just voted him that again in their survey as you know and I think the last time I looked um he's way up there in point totals what was he 15th I believe or something like mm -hmm. that he and Ovechkin are uh, side by side on the all-time list so you know I think any conversation about the greatest players of all time uh, includes him, even if the goal totals aren't, you know, what Ovechkin has posted or some of the other guys who are ahead of him on the goals list. You know, he's just such a complete player uh, in every facet of the game. You know, we talked to Sully last week about face-offs, and, you know, obviously Jeff Carter has a, a better face-off percentage this year, but he said even if Sid isn't having a great night in the face-off dot, if it's a big face-off at the end of the game, he's going to be out there because Sully just knows he's going to find a way to win it. So uh, he's one of the greatest players of all time. And uh, you guys have been spoiled. I read Joe Starkey's <laughs> column this morning about, uh, you know, having him after having Mario for all those years. Uh, it's kind of an embarrassment of riches. Yeah, and, you know, once once Yarmir is finally done over in the Czech Republic, we'll he's have... He's never going to be done. He's <laughs> never going to be done. Talk, talk about guys that will play forever. Yeah. I mean, someday we'll have 66, 68, 87, 71, maybe even 58, all up in the rafters to go with the five cup banners as well. And you're right. It's an embarrassment of riches. We've been so incredibly, and in a good way, spoiled to have what we've had here in Pittsburgh over the last 30-plus years or so. Um, that being said, you mentioned Alex Ovechkin. Um, it, he's now gray-haired Alex Ovechkin. He's, you know, the old Russian bear now, it seems like. And this rivalry still exists, but it seems to exist on a different plane between Crosby and Ovechkin. Not that they didn't always have respect for each other, but it's almost like each is watching the other one's accomplishments, and it's this, this mutual admiration society, whereas when they first came into the league together, it really felt like a race to get to all of those accomplishments at first. How have you seen the rivalry between these two change over the last 15 to 20 years? 
Yeah, well, I think you've accurately described it. You know, we had a, a game earlier this year, and of course it was really at the All-Star game where I think we saw what you're talking about. They played on a line together. You know, they were kind of deferential to each other. If anything, they probably passed the puck to each other too much. And you could really see in that setting the admiration that they have for each other. You know, you know the history, and we have the video clips from some of the you know really contentious games mm -hmm. that the, they had against each other, the two teams had against each other. Obviously, it's a terrific rivalry. But you know, I think now that they're kind of elder statesmen, I think they both really appreciate each other, what they're, they've done in the game and how they're regarded now really within the history of the game. So, yeah, I think there's a lot of mutual respect there. And uh, it seemed to me in Fort Lauderdale, they kind of like each other too. So uh, maybe that's a way it's changed over the last uh, 15 years or so. Do you get a sense for, like Alex Ovechkin doesn't strike me. He strikes me as a guy who probably would prefer in the next year or two, as much as he'd like to chase another cup, understands his accomplishments. And once he's accomplished those goals that he set out to, you know, the records he set out to break, that he might be a little more willing to walk away from the game, to spend time with his family. Not that Sidney Crosby is any less interested in spending time with family, but I could see Alex Ovechkin walking away in a year or two once he's broken the records that he wants to break. Whereas, to, to bring it back to Sid again, like we talked about, there's no, there's no, I guess, satisfying his hunger. I, not that Ovi seems satisfied, but it seems to be a, a different level there between the two of them. Well, I think you're right. Obviously, Ovechkin's a couple years older. I do mm -hmm. think at the very least he's going to play until he breaks Gretzky's goal record. Right. Which uh, is probably at least two years away. So and I, I don't see that he's really lost much competitive fire either. You know, he loves to play. Uh, he loves being at the rink and around his teammates. And you know, obviously, it's been a hard year for him losing his dad uh, a month or so ago. But, you know, I, I, I don't see any diminishing enthusiasm. I do think it'll be interesting to see what happens with their team the next couple of years. You know, they made him a promise that basically while he was there, they would not completely tear it down and go into full rebuild mode. So I think you saw in the maneuvering that they did at the trade deadline, they basically just traded away guys like Orlov and Hathaway who, you know, weren't going to be there next year anyway, because they couldn't agree on contract extensions and they were unrestricted free agents. So, you know, but, but they got back some pieces in return who I think can help them in the, in the short term. So, I, I don't think they're going to go way down to come back up. I think they'll be a playoff contending team again next year. And I think as long as that's the case, he'll keep playing for as long as he feels he can play like he is now. Because we talked about Sid hasn't lost much. And you know, Ovi scored 50 goals last year. And, uh, you know, he's right up there amongst the league leaders again this year. He can still set up in that right circle and just absolutely bomb it when called upon to yeah, do so, especially really on the power play. Uh, it was funny talking to Igor Shosturkin at the uh, All-Star game, the Rangers goalie, and he was asked about, you know, now having Ovechkin on his team, but what, what's it like to play against Ovechkin? And he said, when Ovechkin's on the ice, I have one eye on the puck, and I have one <laughs> eye where he is over there. <laughs> And, uh, you know, he's one of those guys, you always have to know where he is. Yeah, good luck getting across the crease with him winding up for that one-timer. Um, yeah. Well, I'm glad you brought up the the what the Capitals have done, though, towards the end of this season, Sean, because it's something a lot of people in Pittsburgh want to see the Penguins do, but without breaking up the big three, the core of Crosby, Malkin, and Latang. 
And there's a question now a lot of us have. Is this going to resemble the sort of crumbling of the Red Wings dynasty with Zetterberg and Datsuk or the Blackhawks dynasty with Taves and Kane, although there are different varying circumstances for both of those guys. Um, you know, they, this will be the 10th straight year. I think the Red Wings will not have won a playoff series. I think it's just one playoff series win for the Blackhawks in the last eight years. And it was the preliminary round in the bubble in 2020. Um, do you get the sense that the Penguins could be headed down a similar path? Or as long as Crosby, Malkin, and Latang are together, there's at least a trip to the playoffs in the offing every spring? Well, we'll find that answer out soon, right? Because there's yeah. no guarantee they're going to make it this year. Uh, it, it's going to go right down to the wire, I think. You know, they caught a little bit of a break last night that Florida lost, although, you know, they played a really good Toronto team. So, but I think that's going right down to the last game or two for sure. Um, you know, I remember when we got back in the NHL last season, uh, our opening game was Pittsburgh at Tampa Bay. Yep. Tampa was the reigning cup champions. And I talked to Sully before the game, and you know, he talked then about they had talked in that offseason after they went out in the first round against the Islanders about maybe kind of breaking it up and getting younger. And then they just felt like, no, you know, they, they had a really good team and that they felt like they were kind of undone in that first round playoff series by the fact that you know, Tristan Jari didn't play very well. Right. And uh, they thought that was an aberration. He'd be better. So let's keep it together again. So you know, they were already having those conversations two years ago. Right. So, uh, you know, this is the second season since that. So it has to happen eventually. I mean, they're all in their uh, mid or upper thirties now. So, uh, they're not going to be able to stay together forever. And I think they're going to have uh, as an organization some really tough decisions to make here in the, in the short term. Well, Sean, I will let you run. Uh, safe travels. Uh, thanks for jumping on with us from the airport on your way to Pittsburgh for Penn's Caps, 8 o'clock Saturday night on ESPN and ABC. Uh, where's the first, where's the most important place you have to stop when you get to Pittsburgh? Is it, is it Colony's house for some of Linda's meatloaf? Is it, <laughs> is it a restaurant you have to go to? Where's Sean McDonough headed? No, to there's some great restaurants. You know, if it was a little bit later uh, in the season, it would hopefully be Oakmont, which is uh, probably my, not only my, one of my, uh, my, my, probably my favorite place in Pittsburgh. It's one of my favorite places in the world. You know, like yeah. I've said many times of all the golf courses I've played and I've been blessed to play uh, a lot of the great ones. Uh, that's my favorite, not just because of the layout, but uh, you know, and the tradition there. But it's such a great membership, really nice people. It's not stuffy like some of these other places that you go to that are among the very best. So I love coming there. The fans are great. I love doing games in Pittsburgh because uh, we have a low booth. <laughs> we're we're yeah. basically in the stands uh, right next to the lounge there. So uh, it makes a huge difference. You know, in most of these arenas and people don't care about our problems, you're – you're way up on the ceiling and you know like last week madison square garden you're on the 10th floor you take the elevator to 10 the arena levels on five so you're five stories above it td garden in boston you're on the ninth floor the rink's on the third floor so you're six stories above it so i always say to my buddies when they say how did you not see that that hit the guy's shoulder i'm like well if you buy the worst seat in the arena in the last row of the balcony and then you look up and further back that's where i am so uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Good luck to you. But I love going to Pittsburgh for a lot of reasons, and uh, the low booth is certainly one of them. Well, we're looking forward to your call Saturday night. Uh, should be a good one with these two getting together again. They've played a couple really good games so far this year. Casey DeSmith has played well against the Caps this year, presuming he'll be between the pipes again with Tristan Jari Hurt. Uh, looking forward to, to hearing you 
uh, Saturday night on the call, Sean. Thanks again for making this. Thank time. you, Chris. Nice to be with you. Take care. Great to catch up with one of the voices of the NHL, Sean McDonough for the NHL on ESPN. And again, 8 o'clock Saturday. I'm sure the drop of the puck will be a little later than that. You know how it is with the national broadcast, but Pens, Caps, a huge game. You heard me mention there to Sean, Casey DeSmith has played exceedingly well. Like a save percentage up around, I want to say like nine six seven something like that. Really, really strong pair of games, uh, even if one was a shootout loss to the Caps this year. So... I would expect the Smith to stand tall again and play well. And that's going to create even more of a problem down the stretch. If he continues to play well, a good problem, I guess, and that you'll have maybe someone you can rely on headed into the playoffs. If Tristan Jari is not healthy and not ready to go. We talk about the loss in Dallas and look ahead a bit to Penn's caps on Saturday night as well. We'll get our buddy Tango, Eric Tangrady in here next right here on fifth Avenue face off. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome back in. It's 5th Avenue Faceoff. I'm Chris Mack. Eric Tangrady with me, Tango. How are we doing? Uh, this Dallas game last night is the Pens get ready for the Caps. Uh, and we'll talk about the Caps in a couple of minutes. But this Dallas game Thursday night, um, I don't I don't know what to make of it. I, they obviously outplayed the Stars for long stretches of the game. Uh, but I think what you got was exactly what you wish you could have as a Penguins fan, which is a goal, t- and you saw it from Dallas' side of things, a goaltender who can steal a game for you when things aren't going well. That's what Jake Ottinger did for Dallas. Uh, and that's the one thing it feels like the Penguins don't have, especially now um, with Tristan Jari being dinged up, which we'll get to in a second. But Mike Sullivan said he thought they played well enough to win. There was a lot to like about it overall. What do you make of it? Yeah, I mean, overall, they played very sound uh back-to-back hockey games deserving to come away with four points. But like, as you discussed, like in the national hockey league, no team is going to dominate for 60 minutes, but teams will have spurts where they dominate. And there's a ton of momentum and it just takes whatever time for good teams to get involved, whether that's a power play or some, you know, fight something to get them in, in, into the game. And um, you're exactly right. Like somebody that can weather momentum in the net. Uh, that's why it comes down to the most important position for a lot of hockey teams, because you're not going to have your stuff for 60 minutes, but do you have that piece that can keep you engaged and keep you in a hockey game where 
Um, we might not have been able to see that kind of on our side by, by any means lately. Do you do you make anything like how would you read it as a player in the room if you hear the coach say, "Yeah, I'm I'm happy with the way we played, even though we didn't get the win. There's a lot to like about things, and the, when it feels like you're fighting and scratching and clawing for every point in the playoff race." Do you need a coach? Were you one of those guys that needed a coach to be a little edgier? Or is that what you should be doing with a veteran team is saying, hey, you know, we did what we had to do. We know that's a W more often than not. Well, it depends on the opponent. Like, I mean, like I talked about last week, like that schedule to me, I don't know if any team will go through a harder back-to-back in the National Hockey League than that. You go to altitude, you go and you you bring it, you show a a playoff-type hockey game, all four lines contributing. You go into Denver and and beat the Stanley, the former champs who still look like pretty sharp moving forward. And then you have to fly through the night down to Dallas and get up for another team who we could see in the Western Conference Finals. So um, I, I think that's what makes Sullivan great is when he says that's a, a good game and we probably should have won. I think that's you can build some momentum and have confidence in your losses. It's just unfortunate that they're a team right now that unless you get two points, it really doesn't matter. Like those, those uh, motivational losses and those, those good losses don't really apply down the stretch when you're battling for a playoff spot. So yeah, I take it as a positive for sure. What do they do in goal at this point? Um, It sounds, there's no timetable on Jari, lower body injury. We don't know if it's the same lower body injury, a different one. We don't know if it was completely healed and re-injured, if it, we don't know. Um, so all we know is Tristan Jari is banged up and that when asked about it, Mike Sullivan just said, we're going to put the goaltender in that we think gives us the best chance to win. Short term, that's Casey DeSmith because, well, he's healthy. But long term, you know, if Tristan Jari is able to get back and get healthy in the next couple of weeks, do they have time to ramp him back up to number one status going into the playoffs? Um, is there a world where game one of the playoffs, even though Tristan Jari might be good to go, not 100%, but good to go, that Casey DeSmith gets the start? That's where it gets challenging. Um, I believe him when he says we have to play whoever's going to give us the best chance of the win because there really is no alternative. I mean, these mm-hmm. these games are probably going to come down to coaching staff, goalie coaches, a feel on who they think gives them the best chance to, to win a hockey game. There is no time right now to – ease somebody back into it and you know give him a couple of days with the goalie coach like backs against the wall it's desperation time so um unfortunately this is the cards that they're dealt as a hockey team they need they need the smith to step up and play some incredible hockey down the stretch if they're going to have a chance and if jari gets healthy um it's going to be one of those things where you know do you today give us the best chance to win this hockey game you're in because if not they don't have another choice what if I put you in a bit of a management position for just a second? Um, what what do you do with this position going forward uh, in the offseason? It, it, regardless of the results this year, unless you go on some kind of mega run uh, to the cup final. Um, do you, Tristan Jari, you would think, wants to go into the market looking for a multi-year deal. I don't know how realistic that is at this point. Um, and But at the same time, you know, you look at the, the, the UFA market for goaltenders this coming offseason – it's not exactly a murderer's row. You know, it's some crafty veterans who'd maybe be okay in a one B role to a one a um, there's, there's not a lot of young talent available unless you're going to go about it via the trade market, which 
again, we don't know if that's something Ron Hextall or whoever the GM may be, another big question mark to throw out there, will have an appetite for. So if if you're the organization, uh, what, how do you approach Jari going into the offseason? Yeah, they're going to need a lot of help from the scouts because if you look at some of these teams, um, they've had some quick turnover. Um, you know, there's a lot of depth goaltenders out there, and I think they definitely need to have that stable depth um, call it 1B where you know what you're going to get out of them. And, and there's a lot of teams that they, you just can't have the infrastructure to pay the top of the cap for a goaltender because it just doesn't work. And, and to rely on drafting a goaltender now, like you may not see him in net for three to five years. So they're in a really, really tough situation. Um, one that doesn't really encourage me for tomorrow as far as how they're going to come out of this thing, because I think they've put a lot of trust in, in these two guys and have showed that committed that, that they've been committed to them um, for a franchise that's been very quick to cut ties with uh, what have you done for me lately in, in, in net when you look at what Marc-Andre Fleury had done and see you later and then Matt Murray, same thing. So um, I think they kind of have themselves in a really, really hard situation where the other options out there might not be as strong, but um, getting some fresh blood in that lineup in the goaltender situation has to be on their mind in the summer. They get the caps on Saturday night, but they get them at home and it's a caps team. That's kind of cashed in their chips for this season. Anyway, uh, trying to kind of retool on the fly around what's left of that Ovechkin Backstrom core, kind of similar to what the pens may be trying to do this summer uh, around Crosby, Malkin, Latang. So um, you've played in some of these pens caps games. Um, there's going to be lots of talking. Lots of talking. Um, this is a rivalry. Tom Wilson is out there. You know, there are guys with their heads on a swivel. So before we get into the the actual physicality of a rivalry like this, this sounds like, maybe it sounds like a stupid question, but do you go into this game knowing who I'm going to chirp, what I'm going to say to them, how I can get them off their game? Like, it's, it's only a half-joking question, Eric, in that, like, you have to be on your mental game for a rivalry game like this, too. Yeah, right. And, and honestly, this is kind of a scary game for me as a, looking at it from the Penguins' perspective because I anticipate the Caps to play as run-and-gun, high-risk, high-reward type of hockey as they can because they've got nothing really to play for at this point. And, you know, you have Ovechkin chasing the goal, um, the goal record, like, these types of games, the Penguins seem to be like they've struggled the most against. When you look at Montreal, they are a high-risk, explosive offensive team. Um, now, what I'd like to see is like, can they play a shutdown style of hockey that limits time and space and doesn't get into these running guns? Because the Pens, they can play both of those games, but why make this game a coin flip when you know if you play the right way with structure, playoff-oriented hockey, you're going to win. Um, when it comes to the chirping stuff, like I'm sure you're going to have, you know, the Wilsons and them are going to run around like that's their game. That's what makes them effective. The Penguins don't really have that threat of pushback. So I would actually anticipate them to be rather quiet and say, put us on the power play. Let's just play hockey. But then from Washington's perspective, like we're coming in here to be spoiler. Um, you know, we're still here and we're going to just run and gun this game and see what, what the outcome is going to be. What's some of the funniest stuff you've heard chirp wise? Um, but I think I told my Claude Giroux story about how basically he told me, you know, I'm getting sent down in the minors the next day. And I did, um, <laughs> I never really had the opportunity to be really, uh, mouthy in, in the national league, but I've seen some guys that just sit at the end of the bench and, you know, borderline their ice time doesn't pay their, 
but they pay their paycheck. But man, vocally, they just they could bring it. Like we always have jokes that you like he's an A plus chirper, but a, a, a B minus hockey player. But um, a lot of the stuff is is strict. It is rated R. I mean, there's some guys that yeah. just go really, really deep. I think those days have definitely softened up. And as 2023, everyone's become more sensitive to what we say. But you know, right. some of these scrums, like you know, people are looking at Wikipedia's and family trees and and past relationships. Like I, I've seen some <laughs> of the nastiest stuff in these scrums that make guys steam come out of their ears. So. When I look back at it now, like grown men basically in a schoolyard, like right. making fun of each other, um, it, it made for a lot of a lot of laughs, and also it brought the intensity when you have guys basically skipping warmups to just hang out at the red line and talk trash the entire yeah. time. I imagine we don't get a lot of the. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the classic video of. Trachier and Stevens during the Cup Finals against the North Stars chirping Brian Bellows. Oh, I, I'm. I imagine we don't get anything on that level quite anymore. Uh, like you said, people are a little more sensitive to that kind of stuff. But then, like, we do have, like I mentioned before, a Tom Wilson in this game. And Tom Wilson says a couple of days ago, there's not going to be any quit in the caps down the stretch. So for just a, a couple of minutes here, two with Tango, uh, is there anybody, you know, who are the guys that you've played against that are Wilson-like in that the guys on their team love him, everybody else hates him and if nothing else you know that you're gonna have to have your head on a swivel if you're on the ice at the same time as him yeah and and we've talked about in the past about i felt like the need of having a, a heavyweight type tough slash tough guy just to free guys up to play maybe a type of way that they're not accustomed to so what i mean by that is you know do you have a three four defenseman that you know in the first period of the game, when a forward's cutting across the middle, a top six guy on the other team, you want to go and level him. Um, if you have the, you know, the, the Ryan Reeves is who I would explain, you know, the, 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 the guy that screams that to me, like someone that just makes you as a player feel like you can do things that you'd never be able to do in a hockey game. So that defenseman lines somebody up and sets a tone early in the game. Now he doesn't have to answer the bell because you have Reeves on the bench chirping, making sure everybody's in line. Cause if somebody acts up, like, He's going to get six to nine minutes a game. He will drop his gloves and take two minutes in the box because he's not really hurting his team by not being on the ice. Right. So that's somebody I look at, like, can police the game, but more importantly, just gives the freedom to other players to play a type of toughness, play a type of style that makes them feel pretty protected out there. And that's what Wilson does great. Like, he can score goals and he can play that role. He's not scared of anybody. So he actually plays the hockey game exactly how he wants to play it because there's nobody that's going to answer the bell to him. Did you ever find yourself going into a game against the team, especially if somebody had taken liberties in a past matchup saying, hey, I know 23 or 25 or whatever his name is. If I catch him in the tracks, I'm absolutely going to line him up. Yeah. Um, it, it, as far as like for me, I, I had to kind of play with the mentality of like, whatever. If I get beat up, this is going to be the only way that I can play. Um, but I'll never forget in Winnipeg, um, you know, Mike Giordano, um, basically knee on knee with Mark Shifley and our coach is looking at our fourth line, me, Chris Thorburn, Anthony Pelusa saying like someone, you better go out there and like affect somebody important on their team. And then Brian McGratton skates by our bench and just says, hope nobody wants to get into trouble tonight. And like, you know, it makes you laugh and makes you like smile. But at the same time, it's like, yeah. if I go after one of their top guys and I have to answer the bell against the toughest guy in the NHL, like it definitely made me second guess what I was going to do. It right. definitely made me change or 
you know, yeah, I'll go finish a check clean and be aggressive, but like you're probably not going to go try and cheap shot somebody with their head down to even the score, knowing the momentum of him beating the crap out of me in front of my entire team is just going to shift it right back in their favor anyway. Right. So uh, I don't know if I probably didn't really answer the question directly, but no, I definitely but... know that like those guys have a, a, a purpose and a meaning even still in today's game. Yeah, no, that, that's that's interesting to me that, you know, you do have to think um, it, of the chess game, I guess, for lack of a better way to put it, two or three moves ahead of, yeah, I got to go out and take a run at somebody, but when I do, I'm going to have to answer the bell against this guy, like you said, whether it's a Reeves, a McGratton, whoever it may be, and I know if I answer the bell against them, yeah, I can stand in there and take the shots, but what's it going to do to the momentum of the game swinging back the other way and that's that's the extra move on the chessboard that you do have to think about and why it does why some people still insist like you're saying that you got to have you got to have somebody on that bench who's going to be the one to go out and handle that business yeah a perfect example of that is brad marchand like brad marchand has mastered the art of being a 40 40 goal assist guy and getting under players skins and playing his way boston has always made sure to have somebody in that lineup that gives Brad Marchand the ability to be Brad Marchand. Now, right now it's Trent Frederick. Like he can play uh, a, a versatile game um, where he can be physical, whole fight, he'll drop the gloves, adding Bertuzzi, some more sandpaper. You know, you look at Tampa, they got Maroon, Bogosian, they added Janot. Like people don't realize, like you're not just trading for someone to fight and create momentum. You're freeing up the rest of your lineup to play whatever type of way they want to play because they're not scared that anyone's going to answer the bell. So it is, like you say, it's a chess game. There is so much value, even more so in the game today where we're trying to limit fighting, the dirty hits, the headshots. You'll look at the final four teams in this in this, in this this final uh, uh, going for the Stanley Cup playoff. I'll be able to name one player on each team that makes that whole entire lineup feel pretty safe about the way they play hockey. Good stuff today, Tango. We'll see how it goes against the Caps. And then a big week next week, too. Boston comes to town a week from the, uh, this Saturday. So some some big games on the line as this team continues to try. And like I said earlier, scratch and fight and claw for every point they can get in the standings. Thanks for the time today, man. No, thank you. Good show as always. All right. We'll catch up soon. Something that still doesn't get talked about all that much is the need to have guys on your bench who are willing to go out there and intimidate the other side. Uh, fighting being slowly pulled out of the game a little bit more year by year. But as long as the possibility exists that someone on the other bench may skate up to you and put their fist right in the middle of your face, uh, I guess the possibility exists that you may not want to take a run at somebody on their team. Uh, Don't know how much that'll be a part of the math when the Pens and Caps get together on Saturday. Tom Wilson for the Caps, as I mentioned earlier. Maybe it will be a part of it. What I do know will be a part of the math going forward for the Penguins is figuring out the goaltender position. We'll talk to Sean Gentili of The Athletic about that and a lot more next right here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a kick. 
a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack had you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Welcome back into 5th Avenue Faceoff. Uh, the conversations before we hit record are sometimes better than the conversations after we hit record. Sean Gentilly of The Athletic with me. Uh, welcome in, my friend. Thanks for doing this again, despite the first time running completely off the rails and we ended up talking about fighting mascots. I appreciate your time. I thought that was the point. I thought, I thought that's what you had me around for. I'm happy to be back, dude. Of course. <laughs> yeah, no, I appreciate it. And if we end up talking about fighting mascots, then so be it. Uh, or anybody fighting anybody else. I mean, there's there's plenty to be mad about if you're a Penguins fan. Uh, although, I don't know, maybe you're Mike Sullivan and you're just satisfied with the whole thing at this point. Um, but wherever they go down the stretch, I want to widen it out just a little bit. Rather than talking about the loss in Dallas or the surprise win over Colorado, Let's fast forward uh, just a little bit to the end of this season because this is another Tristan Jari injury we're dealing with. We have no idea who this team's goaltender is going to be come playoff time. And we don't expect them to go anywhere come playoff time, but it's a whole lot easier to see them going nowhere and doing nothing without a goaltender that they can trust. Um, so when they get to the offseason, what's the play? I mean, the UFA goaltender market is... I wouldn't say straight trash, but there's not a starter out there. Um, wh- close, what do they do? Enough. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a bad situation they're in here. So I feel like, and I think Adam Gretz might've said this. I mean, and we're out, we're thinking, thinking in the same way on this. I think what's happened with Jari, like, especially with this last injury and the way he played before it, whether, you know, who knows how healthy it was, frankly. Right. I feel like that's almost driven his his leverage and his price point down to like a more manageable level. Like now, who like you give give this dude a give this dude a one year deal? There's not a lot of teams out there that that are going to be willing to break the bank on him. Whereas, like right. I think if you had had a, if you had had a normal season and he would have thrown up, you know, whatever started uh started fifty eight games and put up a nine, you know, 17 save percentage or whatever, like reasonable, like a reasonable expectation for Tristan Jari. That's you could have made a lot of money, right? Because like you said, the UFA, uh, the UFA goaltending market is trash. And so is like, frankly, though, the entire, most of the UFA market in general, it's a down year overall, like it, it, right. in all positions. So I feel like is it, it's bad. For, <laughs> it almost makes it a decision. It might make the decision a little bit easier. It's going to be like, here's, he, I almost, I, I, I think, I think there yeah. would have been, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I might be, I might be like galaxy braining this honestly, but it, it just, it just <laughs> feels like, it just feels like the play for him, regardless of where it happens, whether it's this year or next is going to be like one year, you know, show me kind of prove it deal. Like, like one, one or two it's, years, like short term. And that to right. me is a better, it, that's a better move generally, you know, just as a rule with goaltenders is, is you try to, to try to lock them in to, to, to shorter term deals because you know who, who knows just long term. You're right. I mean, on an individual level, as it pertains to Jari specifically, it, it it does make more sense to bring him back on that one year deal, like you said. Um, but I guess 
it's wild to me that we will have gone from say April of 2022 when we all looked at each other and said, man, this team has a goaltender issue. They need to Mm -hmm. to fix to Mm -hmm. uh, September of 2023 and we'll be talking about the same two guys, same most likely same two guys. in the yeah. same two roles and the same problem. That's that's existed really going all the way back to April of 2021, really. I think of all the things that, that Hextall's gotten nailed to the wall for over the last, you know, month or two months or six months, all deserved, by the way. I, I, I don't mean this as like any kind of defense of him. The one that's kind of fallen under the radar is the goaltender position. Like, I feel like that's kind of lost, lost in the shuffle of him, you know, failing to build a competitive bottom six and, you know, clearing a bunch of space at the deadline from a Kyle Grant, like whatever, like there's very obvious mistakes this dude has made, but uh, the continuing kind of bungling of the goaltender position, that's as egregious as as any, because again, and and you know, what's, what's funny too is, is as they've, you know, as pre-injury, as they were trying to get, you know, Sullivan kept saying, we got it. We're trying to get him on track and whatever. As they were trying to get get Jari back up the snuff, Casey DeSmith was playing really well. And it's like more proof, honestly, that, that this dude, he's, he's a competent NHL goaltender. But as soon as you give him anything resembling a starter's workload, whether that's over the, the regular season or in the playoffs or whatever, you're going to run into problems. So it is funny to see like the same weird, cycle of this of the same issues which is that the smith can't can't perform with with starters minutes basically and jari can't stay healthy and we're in year what three of it now it's wild yeah. it's it's it, it's 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 wild to see and you know like we were talking about before with the with the contract situation like i i mean what i said what what i outlined was basically like yeah just sign up for another year of it which is crazy like right. I, I think it i think i think it shows what a weird spot the team is in specifically and also just generally where the league's at with goaltenders because there's there's not enough of them honestly hey oh kept flurry that's what i said the whole time sean oh, sure kept that flurry <laughs> in in what's crazy is as stupid as it as it sounded at the time right and as much as we make fun of it because the obvious decision was right in front of all of us well you keep the young guy who's won a couple of cups and you send the veteran on his way for whatever you can get in in retrospect we're speaking of galaxy brain we're all just now Mm. sitting here going "Mm, yeah it probably would have worked absolutely if there was some way to make that like a viable you know, a viable cap decision back then. I, I, mm-hmm. I'm still of the mindset that Rutherford would have done it, right? Like his the the choice because of the because of their short and long term cap situation, and because of the rules for the expansion draft, like it made it impossible, right? So like, I, so with that like kind of on the shelf, knowing that like they like almost like literally didn't have an option. Like Jake Gensel wouldn't be playing here right now if 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 right. they would have if they would have like what? So there's like all sorts of you know, domino effect uh, stuff that's in play. But, like, <laughs> strictly in terms of hockey, like, they're absolutely would have been in better shape if, if they would have kept if they would have kept old math around, for sure. So I had Sean McDonough uh, from ESPN mm-hmm. on earlier, and we told Jim Colony jokes. It was lovely. Uh, but I also asked oh, him boy. about the <laughs> – the, the comparison between, because I think it's, I think it's a valid one. Maybe I'm reaching mm-hmm. as a, as a sports, as I, uh, you know, become a sports 
uh, a sports talk hot take artist, but um, the comparison between Brady, Tom Brady, and Sidney Crosby. Like, mm-hmm. I look at Sidney Crosby and I see a guy who will do absolutely anything and everything it takes to keep himself in peak condition, to be as good at hockey for as long as humanly possible, and as long as he's in good enough shape to play good hockey at the level that he wants to play at, he will continue to play hockey at that level, which means, you know, even though the dude's 35 going at 35 and a half will be 36 before next season starts. I could still see him playing another seven, eight, nine. I mean, this guy, this guy will play until they drag him off the ice. I mean, do you see that same comparison? So he's got he's got two more years on his. I always forget exactly when his when his yeah. deal runs out because all the years have like melded together. But he's got two more seasons uh, after this current one on his contract, right? In the yeah, thought, like, the conventional yeah, I, I, in twenty twenty five. Yeah, so twenty right? yeah two seasons. The conventional the conventional wisdom for years was that maybe he'd be done after that, and that was mm-hmm. because of a that aging curve for hockey players just in general, but also just kind of like the overall vibe that maybe, you know, he uh, like what did like people, people who knew him said like, I don't know if, I don't know if Sid's going to be the kind of guy that plays until he's 40. This is like, this is, this is, this is years back just because of the idea that, you know, is that dude going to be able to handle when maybe this the the foot speed starts to go and the skills start to fade, like is he psychologically gonna be gonna, gonna be okay with being a diminished version of himself, right? Where you right. have you look at guys like Joe Thornton who played until he was into his forties, you know, that dude, his mindset, he's a he's a like that guy, legendary chiller, right? Doesn't really care much about anything. Like he's he's just a relaxed kind of dude, and he kept himself in good shape and. You know, didn't have a ton of foot speed to lose. So lo and behold, he was an effective NHL player in, into his 40s. And he was, but like nothing great also. Like he's a third or fourth line center for the for the Leafs and the Panthers at the end. The question was always like, could Sid handle that? Like, would would he be, yeah. would, would, would he be okay with that? And I think in this, and it's easy to say it now because like the dude's getting up with a hundred points and all the, all, all that stuff. So he's still at such a high level that it might make the point moot. Like two years from now, he might be good enough to just like make it not even, you know, whatever he, he might be another, a, an eight and a half million dollar player again right. in two years. Like who knows? But a funny thing, I think over the last year or two, like the vibe around him has started to change. Like, it seems like he is like in a spot where like, maybe you can see him, playing farther into his 40s and being okay with it like i asked nathan mckinnon about that honestly at, at the in the preseason at a bit of media tour event because those guys famously work out together and they're buddies and right whatever just kind of asked him like you know where's where's Sid at and, and mckinnon was like he basically i'm paraphrasing here but it was like he's he's locked in man he's he's not th- he's thinking about his next contract like he's ready he's ready to roll so there has been some kind of like vibe shift with 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 uh with him regarding the length of his career over, over the last couple of years. Absolutely. I, I wonder how much, I wonder how much he looks at it. And, and I don't know, maybe I'm projecting here. Um, he looks at it as kind of like a responsibility to bring on the next wave and not abandon the organization, so to speak, that if he signs a five-year extension and plays until he's 42, well, by then, the team will have brought in the young guys. Hopefully, will you know they will have uh, b- built the prospect pool back up. That he'll 
he'll he'll see himself as bringing along the next guy for this organization. Mm-hmm. Who knows if they'll have the general manager in place or any kind of management team in place to actually or, pull that off, or what because, the rest of the roster will look like. Like right, like, because knows, now we're right? talking about a thirty-three year old Jake Gensel, right? We're talking about yeah. uh, a, a, a third. I mean, I mean, right? We're we're, we're talking about. Uh, who else would it still be? Rust will be 35. Um, and, you know, that, so. that could not make me feel older, by the way. The, <laughs> the, the idea, the idea of a 33 year old Jake cancel, like, geez. I mean, who else, who else am I forgetting that my, I mean, POJ will be 28. I mean, I guess totally. that's a, a, a little less daunting, but like, I guess my point a is lot of, I, a lot of variables in place for sure. Right. I could see him wanting to bring the next guy along. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I see that more likely, assuming they go through the transition on the management team that they need to go through this summer. Yeah. I could see that more likely than, hey, um, maybe I'd like to spend the last couple of years in LA, or maybe I'm just done here, or whatever it may be. Like, the most likely scenario is Sid wants to play until he's 41 or 42 and help set the organization up. The only problem will be they'll never draft high enough with Sid on the roster in order right. to get the elite level talent to bring along. It's going to be interesting. It's it's getting as, as we cruise towards the end of that contract, man, it, it usually comes from Canada. Um, it usually, and it's it, the, the, the possible destinations are always predictable, but it's mm-hmm. like McKinnon and Crosby are friends. And like, he grew up a Canadians fan and, yeah, you know, he's from like. There's always going to be that level of, you know, speculation about him, and it's and it's only going to it unless something happens, and he, unless he falls off a cliff performance wise, or you know, or or we see something wild happen. Um, I, I he's been so much better. Like this year, has he's been phenomenal and productive to the point where it's like, okay, we can like pencil in pretty comfortably that, that not only is this dude coming back at the at the end of his at the end of this deal he's going to be or still be a really 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 good player and i don't know if people i don't know if you could have said that you know with any degree of certitude a couple years ago because that's just the way it goes hockey players get old he's he's you know the for as as hard as the dude plays like he's got he's got some stuff on like the concussion issues that was all it was always mm-hmm. a question like as to how long he was going to play. And now all signs point to him not just playing, but being unbelievable. Right? So we need to like reassess how, how we're thinking about how uh, the late period of, of his career is going to play out, it seems like. Well, and to your point, the timeline now is that the, the extension would happen in the summer of 2024, you would think, before mm-hmm. his final year under contract, which means you'll only get one more season to evaluate whether you think he's going to fall off the cliff or not. This season has shown you no signs that that's going to happen. If he plays next year, anything like he's played this year, and again, there's no reason to believe he won't, then you have to re-up Sidney Crosby for as long as Sidney Crosby wants to be re-upped for. Totally. You give him at that point, you, I'm, I'm far enough in the tank for him just generally, but yeah, whatever you say, you say, dude, like how long are you going to play? Do you, a do you still want to play here? That's a very important thing to consider here. Like, yeah, we, we need like that. If if anybody on earth has has earned any hockey player on earth has earned the right to, you know, pick a spot, it's him. So we'll see. And then once you have that first question cleared, it's to me, it's still like, how long, how much, print up the contract, like 
here you go. Also, yeah. you want you want maybe like an ownership stake too, like whatever, like here. Absolutely. You you can be one of those people that John Henry throws under the bus when everything goes sideways. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, you can get one of the one of the one of the or one of the David or yeah, one of the David Ortiz uh Pedro Martinez deals with the Red Sox where it's like here's 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 a million and a half a year and just go and you know say nice here's, things about us on, on TV. Here's a framed Papelbon jersey. Get the hell out. Yeah, shake like awkward photo, shake hands. Yeah. Here's Shirley's bloody sock. We had a bunch of them made up with red Sharpies. Get the hell out. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we had a box in the locker room in 2004. Whoops. <laughs> uh, so one more thing I wanted to ask you about, because I heard McDavid comment on this, I guess, earlier in the week. Actually, I didn't hear McDavid comment on it. I heard somebody else talking about McDavid's comments on it. I'll just be completely mm-hmm. forthcoming about and his admiration for the WBC and yep. Otani against Trout and the international thing that the NHL seemingly just can't figure out how to get right on a regular basis. Um, Cause they're going to screw up. It sounds like any world cup uh, in the next couple of summers, cause nobody can get on board with how they want to do it. The Olympics is always, I'll just be honest. You can put the little E next to the title of this episode. The Olympics with the NHL is always a shit show. Um, mm-hmm. And so where, do we get look, hockey fans? I think enjoy the international competition as much as any other sports fan. Um, it's best against best from each country. Um, do you think we get it again anytime soon? Like I I'd love to believe that there's a format much like the WBC. Well, they did it with the world cup six years ago, seven years ago, whatever it was now yep. where you get the best players from each country, you put them on their rosters and you have them play some games in a couple of pools, a few weeks before the season starts and everybody gets ramped up for the season that way. I'd like to believe that could happen more often than every seven, eight, nine years, but seemingly it can't with the NHL. Um, mm-hmm. Is there a chance we get that again soon, or is it is is that not something the NHL really has any interest in being a part of or allowing their players to be a part of? I had heard maybe twenty twenty five is mm-hmm. is uh, maybe like an Olympic an Olympic style break in February, 2025. I think that's probably, you know, if you want to, if you want to try to circle a date on the, on the calendar, it's probably that, but it's going to take it just like anything else with the, with the NHL for whatever reason, one of the many ways this league is just bizarre and kind of an outlier when it comes to other pro sports leagues, like it's the GMs, the GMs are going to have a lot of, have a lot of sway here. And it's a matter of, of, of convincing a lot of those guys that this is a risk that's worth taking. And that's, and that's where that discussion kind of happens, right? It's, it's bet, it starts with the GMs and it extends it, and then extends up to the board of governors. And it's a very obnoxious chain of command situation. And it sounds like they're close. Like they're like, there was it last year, like last summer, maybe going into going into, you know, this, this past season, there was a legitimate amount of momentum it seemed like league-wide with exec certainly with the players association which wants this to happen more more so than than the board of governors in, in the gm it seemed like that was happening and then it you know you hit you hit a couple roadblocks and you get into the season and it's just something that gets that gets tabled but i do know that you know more gms more gms and execs are on board than not certainly the players want it i think this is one of those things too with mcdavid by the way he gets asked about this constantly because we haven't seen yeah. him in in an, in an olympic you know in, in an olympic setting the only time we've seen him has been in, in the world cup of hockey so he gets asked constantly it's one of the few things that that dude 
is actually outspoken on. Like he's very openly like, yeah, I want to do this. Like we need to figure something out. This is something right. I want. And the idea that we could go, cause like, not that the clock's ticking on that dude's career. Cause he's whatever, 60 goals in 72 games. Like he's clearly got a lot more meat left on the bone, but like, He's halfway through his career, and we still haven't seen him playing in, in an Olympic uh, context. It's crazy. So I think something's going to happen. It seems like, you know, a couple years down the line, but it the can continues to be kicked. This is the same thing we've been right. saying since since the uh, since the initial Olympic discussion happened, right? We were talking about it last year, and now it's like twenty twenty five. Yeah, it seems like they should get something done. So, uh, we'll see. My pipe I, dream. I, I, yeah. I, I, I know. I'm 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 as bummed as anybody. The, my pipe dream is you you take all the novelty ideas, an all-star game, international competition, outdoor game, and you roll them up into one big ball of wax, and you have a little mini outdoor tournament for four or five days during an all-star break, an extended break in like late January, early February, like you talked about. But that takes multiple money makers away from the NHL, so I get why they'll never do it that way. But that would be the perfect way to handle it, but... Uh, the NHL is far from perfect, so I guess we'll just leave it that. The question is always going to be like, does it happen during the season? Does it happen during the offseason? What do the revenue splits look like? And that's just stuff that they can't agree on. Like, everybody vaguely wants it to happen. When it's like push comes to shove, there's enough holdovers that are like, I don't, we're like, I don't want any part of this. I don't want to risk the injury. It's not worth the money, like whatever. And there's enough people, there's enough pushback there to derail it, even though it's not, even though I think it's safe to say it's not a majority of the stakeholders. Like a majority of the people want it to happen, but it just, it just hasn't, hasn't gotten over the finish line. So since we didn't get to mascots of any kind, um, <laughs> is there anybody, is there anybody you do want to fight? Anybody at all? It's a great question. You're oh not a God. fighter, really. You're, you're, you're not really. I, I, it's, I, there was a, there was a, we all had, stretches right <laughs> sure there's, i mean there's yeah. it's been a, I'm, I'm 37 man it's, it's been it's no. been it's solid solid 10 years i'm i'm well well out of the <laughs> out of the out of, out of the out of the bar fight window all right Dude, well fight um, you know what i'm i'm just gonna start listing your co-workers let's do that okay and it, all right at the top at the top of the list it's chris muller <laughs> yeah he knew he'd be listed first totally it, and we'll know how much he actually listens to this thing, which is probably very little to none, if he if he responds at all. So now just, you've chummed the water effectively, Sean. Thank you. Was 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 literally just texting him about about something unrelated. So I'll I'll let him know that I've thrown down thrown down the yeah. gauntlet here. The gauntlet has been thrown down. The challenge will not be accepted. <laughs> all right, man. Thanks for the time. As always, we'll catch up soon. Yeah, buddy. Absolutely. Anytime. Thank you. All right. Our friend Sean Gentilly from The Athletic. Always wonderful to catch up with. Uh, the international play thing always has me wondering, like, when will the NHL get out of its own way and figure this out? But you heard Sean mention there, there's a lot of people that want to get done. It's just a matter of the terms of getting it done. Speaking of getting it done, we hope the Pens get it done against the Caps on Saturday. Big one, because the Caps are looking to play spoiler against their biggest rival, let's be honest. And if they can play spoiler against their biggest rival, then they're going to go ahead and do it. Whether it's Tom Wilson playing physical spoiler against their biggest rival, or whether it's uh, Alex Ovechkin once again, 
shoving a dagger through Penguins fans' hearts. That's always a possibility as well. Either way, we'll talk about it on Monday. Get you geared up for next week as well. Don't forget, if you're inside your Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, up in the upper right-hand corner, just tap follow. If you haven't already, you'll get new episodes as soon as they're available to you. Wherever you get your podcasts, be sure to follow, like, subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, a rating as well. Questions, just leave it in the comments there of wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, watch the show on YouTube. I'm waving to you if you're watching on YouTube right now. YouTube, uh, you go search for 93.7 The Fan. You'll see new episodes pop up there every time they're available as well. Thanks again for joining another episode of Fifth Avenue Faceoff.